Well, good afternoon. It is 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, November the 22nd, and you're tuned in to Altitude Adjustment. I'm Leon Davis, the podcast about people, politics, and professions. And I'm really excited this afternoon about ha- uh, having a, a guest on uh, Derval Bezenay, and she'll correct me uh, if I've mispronounced her name. She is uh, a Jamaican podcaster, and she uh, her podcast is about uh, climate sustainability and climate change. And we've got her coming up right now. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Well, thank you for joining us, Deval. Appreciate you. Um, hi. So, so if you'd like to tell a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into, you know, doing your podcast and what you hope to accomplish with it, that'll get us started. Sure. So I am Deval Bazi and I am a Trinidadian podcaster. <laughs> um, so I'm based in Trinidad and Tobago, that's in the Caribbean. And my podcast is focused on things around environmental sustainability. So it's called the Climate Conscious Podcast. Um, Climate change is one of the biggest environmental sustainability issues globally, but more particularly in the Caribbean, we feel the impact. You know, we live with it day by day. So I felt that there was a need to have more conversation that would eventually and hopefully lead to action to help us improve our sustainability. So I started my podcast in April, but stepping back a bit, my background, my professional background is in environmental. So this is something that is near and dear to me. I would say both my work and my play revolves around the environment, having studied it at university and also I guess being an island girl, I enjoy being out in nature, you know, going to the beaches or going for a walk um, in our forest or, or anything like that. So I am very passionate about, you know, persons becoming aware because awareness is the first step to action. Mm-hmm. And then once you become aware, you take responsibility for your, both your individual and our collective responsibility to be good stewards to this planet. This is the only planet that we have. That is uh, true. Excellent. Did you want to start, uh, Warren? Sure, sure. Uh, can you hear me okay? Oh, I hear you fine. Can you hear him? I can, yes. Very good. Okay, so starting off, uh, I want to ask you one simple question. Uh, what's in your definition? What is climate change? Okay, so climate change in one sense, it's a natural occurrence. The, the Earth has been evolving over time, and there have been changes in temperature over time. But that normally takes, you know, hundreds and thousands of years for that change to happen. The climate change that we're speaking about now is one that has been, you know, accelerated by human activities. So namely, that is the emission of greenhouse gases, like Mm -hmm. carbon dioxide and methane and nitrous oxide, which increase the warming effect of the Earth. So this is a natural process that already happens that keeps the Earth at a habitable temperature. But when you add all these emissions from various activities, you have an increased warming of the Earth leading to temperature change, leading to what well, it's called global warming, leading to climate change, which is, happen- which is happening at a very rapid rate. And it's, it's by happening so fast, the rest of the ecosystem is not able to adapt to that change, as opposed to if it were happening over its you know, natural rate. So the climate change we're, ha- we're talking about now is that change in weather patterns, weather systems 
that is influenced by human activities. Great, great. Now, one question. So at what point in time do you think our scientists realized there was a problem and uh, how did they react? Right. So the whole um, sustainability movement has been around for some time and it has it has gone through many changes. You know, it started off with um, Silent Spring where, where persons recognized that the harmful effects of using chemicals it was having on the environment. So it's, it's closely tied to the evolving environmental movement. And then you had the Rio summit, and then you had these, you know, I guess a progression of environmental conventions with the global community where they recognized that the rate at which we were, I would say, developing, mm-hmm. the planet wasn't able to sustain that. So you've, you've had a steady progression from the Rio summit and then you had the um, Millennium Development Goals, where the global community attempted to set a framework for us to operate in. So then that expired in um, 2000. Hmm. And then, so that went that around from 2000, and then we evolved into the Paris Agreement, <coughs> which came into effect in 2015. And then we now have the Sustainable Development Goals, which will take us from 2015 to 2030. So you see it's a natural, I wouldn't say natural, but it's a, a, a long timeline where I think the scientists started to recognize that the earth was exceeding its carrying capacity. We were like, we were blowing our ecologic, our ecological budget, you know? Like you get paid and like you get paid for the month and by the 15th, all is gone. So what are you going to do for the rest of the month? Right, right. So hold on a second. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna the video is gonna um, get a little squirrely because, and I, I um I one second yeah right now that your your guys microphone is a little low, so I'm gonna put it on. But if I take the um um. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, so what I was having before was the problem was uh, if uh, the the um, chat window was in the background, the video would disappear. Um, I don't know what the issue is now, but it seems to be working fine and we'll keep going. So did you have another question, uh, Warren? Yeah. So uh, on that timeline, would you say the scientists started becoming more aware this century or going back even further? I would say this century. Um, there were, that's when they really started to recognize the, the effects that you were actually seeing. You know, they had a lot of species becoming endangered or extinct. Yeah. And so you were actually seeing the impacts. It was impossible to deny it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you think that um, the United States is um, doing what they should or are we going in the wrong direction? <laughs> is that a trick question? <laughs> no, a straightforward question. <laughs> right, so. I think I know the answer, but I want to hear your explanation. <laughs> so we recognize that the United States, you know, it's, it is a leader in the global community. And um, definitely your, your domestic policies, they have a ripple effect, ripple effect on the rest of the globe, right? So with the withdrawal of the, the U.S. from the Paris Agreement, you know, that was a significant step mm-hmm. with that major, that major player withdrawing from this global agreement to reduce greenhouse gases. You know, so to me, that is that is a step in the wrong direction. Um, but we're hearing that with the, the incoming administration plans to, you know, return to the Paris Agreement. And I think that would be good for the global community because we can't address climate change on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. You really need community. You really need the global community to come into agreements. Right. So how we how we can move forward, 
because the thing about it is one impact in one part of the globe, it doesn't stay there. The CO2 emissions from the US doesn't only impact the US. In fact, it impacts other regions such as the Caribbean even more. And there's, 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 there's this great disparity between those who make significant contributions to climate change, to the cause of climate change, and those that feel the impacts. So it's important yeah. for you know, the major players, especially the major contributors, to be involved in solving the problem. So, so, um, so the discussion about um, environmental climate change and, and, and the environment as a whole seems to be shrouded in a lot of misinformation. Um, you've got one agency or some people saying, you know, climate change is a hoax. And then uh, um, recently I watched a video, I think Michael Moore was connected with it. It was called uh, Planet of the Humans. Have you seen that? Right. Uh -huh. huh? Yeah. So Plan Pl Planet of the Humans went into um, explaining that the you know, that uh, the current, you know, uh, energy sources like petroleum and natural gas were still needed in order to create the uh, uh, sustainable uh, tools necessary to harness wind and, and sun. And so, uh, you know, they're saying, you know, that's that's going to still be there. So we're not gonna eliminate that altogether, eliminate uh, fossil fuels altogether. And then they also uh, pointed to something that it was, I thought was real significant um, and that we don't think about a lot. And that's, um, we know that climate, or we believe that climate change is, is human. And the problem is uh, we could make it more sustainable uh, if, if, if we could cut demand. So demand is is probably the more the driving, the the end that we should be uh, working with rather than uh, just necessarily the tools. Well, um, the thing about climate change is that it's not one dimensional. There are so many angles that you can address it from. So definitely. I, fossil fuels aren't going to go away overnight. You know, they play a significant role in our economic systems, and it's not just in terms of um, energy, but also the materials that are derived from petroleum products, right? Mm -hmm. But currently, there is a drive to decarbonize our energy systems and also our economic systems, and that would involve the inclusion or the increased use of alternatives like renewable energy when solar being the most popular ones mm -hmm. um you're also hearing about hydrogen you mm -hmm. know so the, the 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 push is to in in the energy pie which is dominated by fossil fuels oil natural gas and coal you want more of that pie to be made up by cleaner sources of energy, mm -hmm. right? So fossil fuels will, in my view, fossil fuels will remain relevant, but you want a bigger share to be taken by renewables and alternatives. And in addition to renewables, there's also the aspect of energy efficiency, because in some areas we waste a lot of energy. And if you can get more out of that one, that one molecule of energy to give you more, then you would be able to use less, right? And um, you, you spoke about demand and it's a kind of tricklish issue because demand and the economy, the economy runs on demand, right? Correct, right. So when you have a depressed demand, you know, you have the economic and the social effects. So how do we manage that? So in one sense, we do need to um, manage 
consumerism and the way that we consume and the way that we produce and do it in a sustainable manner. So that's why I am passionate about sustainability because I am not, we all need to consume, you know, we, we consume, we generate stuff, but it's the way that you do it and being more mindful about it, thinking about the end. And that brings me to the point of the circular economy. So we tend to function in a linear economy where you produce something, you, you use it, and then you generate waste. Yeah. And the waste, the waste goes somewhere, wherever that is, right? But with the circular economy, the output from one system can then become the input into another system. Or you can substitute a material that would not generate so much waste or a particular type of waste, therefore making that whole system more sustainable and less burdensome on the environment. So I think that is where we have to go. You know, when we look at um, we look at the circular economy, there's the blue economy, there's the green economy, but what whatever whatever, however you want to to phrase it, it's all about increasing sustainability in every sector, from fashion to finance, from energy. You know, it's all about becoming more sustainable. And when I say sustainable, what does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's about looking at your impacts. Because mm -hmm. everything you do has an impact. But you want to examine it. You want to say, okay, maybe this has an environmental impact. Mm -hmm. It might affect water. It might affect the air. It might affect the living, living organisms. It might affect other people in the vicinity. You know, so businesses tend to look at economic impact. They, they know that down to a T. They know that very well. They work out all their models mm -hmm. and understand how the economic impact what the economic impact would be. But we can't just stop there. You're no longer accountable only to your shareholders who are yeah. concerned about returns or dividends. You're also accountable for the social impact. So those would be your stakeholders, your fence line community, where you operate, you know, your workers. And then you're also accountable for your environmental or ecological impact so um so in my mind what i'm seeing what i see is i you know initially when we started or when the when the globe started on fossil fuels mm -hmm. um, there was the world's population was not quite as large and so so the damage from fossil fuel use wasn't significant as community as communities grew as uh, so so plants help to clean the air to wash some of the the dirt from fossil fuels out of the system but as uh, um, society grew we started taking more of that you know that the uh, plant cleaning system that was that was helping wash the the dirty air and uh, it gets smaller and smaller you know we're encroaching more and more on getting to the point where there are no real wild forestry it's all either managed forestry or it's neglected forestry um and so even if we create uh, a circular system that, you know, the waste from one goes to fuel another, and then the waste from that goes back someplace else, so that we're not necessarily creating an additional amount of waste that has to be stored, we're still going to uh, grow, we're going we're gonna to take more and more from the planet, and so more inhabitants in the planet is going to um, strip most of the natural resources that we use to 
build any system. Um, and so, and so I, I'm concerned that we're not, that we're focusing on the systems and not focusing on the catalyst that uh, is, is really, is really driving climate change. And that's the use of energy. That's, that's the requirement of energy. That's the need to run air conditioners. That's the need to uh, have motor vehicles. That's the, you know, that's, so, so if, if we went to a, all bicycles, if automobiles were eliminated, automobiles were eliminated and bicycles was the only form of transportation. And I'm not talking about motorbikes. I'm talking about pedal bikes. I'm talking about human power. If we got to that, how, how much of an impact do you think that would have on climate change? <laughs> to be honest, I don't, I don't even want to go there because the reality <laughs> is that it's, it's not, that's not where we're heading. You know, like there are people who advocate that we should stop eating meat because the, um, the commercial production of meat contributes to methane, which is uh, a greenhouse gas and is actually even worse than carbon dioxide, right? Correct. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't see us um, achieving that utopian ideal or anything, right? So yeah. for me, it's about being practical. Okay. And we have a lot of problems. We have a lot of problems. And yeah. I don't think we have all the solutions because as you pointed out, with population growth, we, we basically exceed in the carrying capacity of the planet. Um, a fun fact, well, not too fun, but in August, the 22nd of August, 2020, we celebrated its overshoot day. So by that day, we would have used up the its budget in terms of the resources that it provides. So for the rest of the year, we were in a deficit. And that's how we that's how we're going. Um, I came across an interesting theory called degrowth, you know, and I found it was very interesting. But something I want to point out is that it, climate addressing climate change is so complex because a big issue we're having, especially us in the Caribbean and in the developing world, is that you guys in the industrialized nations of the US and Europe you guys would have exploited resources and attained a certain level of development that you enjoy and you can even take for granted today. Mm -hmm. And now while developing nations are trying to do the same to even achieve your standard of living, then the global community is coming to say, no, you can't do that. It's bad for the environment. But you can't, to me, it's unfair, <laughs> and I mean, I know life isn't fair, but it's unfair right. to tell, to tell, you know, the developing world that no, you need to stop. You, you don't exploit your resources; leave it in the ground. But yeah. you have to me, okay. But you need to offer me some other alternative to allow my population, my people, to achieve a certain level of development. Right, and there's a there's a there's a lobby or there's a, a movement or maybe just a discussion happening right now about climate reparations. Right? I don't know how you I don't know how you two feel about that, but there's a lobby that you know the, the developed nations who would have benefited from the exploitation, from the over exploitation of the earth resources should therefore pay and that, that payment would, would be used to finance the developing countries and their ability to adjust to this climate crisis. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, okay. Um, so, so, um, Realizing that you've called um, my main theory pie in the sky, <laughs> um, 
I will try to address. Um, I think, I think anything that, that does not approach demand is a band-aid. I think demand drives everything. Um, the demand for renewable energies is driven by the demand for renewable energies. The drive for fossil fuel is fueled by the demand for fossil fuel. Um, so, so the reparations idea still doesn't address address demand and as the developing countries um, push for greater autonomy in um, in the global energy market um, it's still going to escalate demand um, and yes, so well. huh yes I agree with you as well because remember um, the level of demand in the, de in the developing world will increase as their standard of living increases. It's, it's only natural. So mm -hmm. that's so I, I did. Um, that's why I, I brought up the, the topic that, you know, you can't ask me to, to limit my demand and therefore, you know, um, jeopardize the sustainable development of my country. So I agree that we need to de we need to address demand, but it's 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 very complex. Um, I agree. And I, I, I think agree. <laughs> yeah, right. So no, so it brings me back to the topic of awareness, where we look at the consumer side of things in terms of how we consume resources, and that same demand it comes in there because once you have consumers who become conscious, who become who listen to my podcast and become climate conscious, then they can drive demand for more sustainable products. And there's actually, there was a survey I came across where um, close to 50% of the participants were willing to pay more for a sustainable product. So that's the kind of, um, that's one angle that we can address demand because demand is going to grow when while people are allowed to develop and i'm not i'm not proposing that we you know we prevent that but it's the manner in which you know the manner in which demand evolves right so we need sustainable um consumers or conscious consumers who are who are mindful of the impact of their demand so that's also where energy efficiency would come in so yes, there would be demand for energy, but if we're getting more out of that same energy, then in a sense, it would, you know, um, mitigate the growth in demand somewhat. I, I so, so I, I fully understand the, um, the need to, for energy efficiency. I need the, I understand the need for um, clean energy. Uh, I need to, I understand the, the need for uh, any sustained, sustainable ecosystem surrounding energy. Uh, I, I agree with all of that. Uh, um, I think it's important. You know, it, smart money is on something that can be repeated over and over and over without causing additional damage uh, to, to the system that it serves. So, so sustainability, uh, we should not have we should not have a conversation about energies without having a conversation about is that energy sustainable? That that that's that goes without saying. You you can't uh, it, it's it's no way intelligent to say uh, we're gonna we're gonna mine fossil fuels um, and there's only so much fossil fuel on the planet and then we're gonna make people dependent on that. And then fossil fuel runs out. Then what do you do? So there has to be some sustainability. So any system, uh, any way that we talk about energy has to be about sustainable. Um, so that's that's just, you know, to me, just rational sense. 
um i i but that wasn't always the case you know i agree that yeah right i agree and and it's great that we that we've achieved that that we've reached that level of consciousness that we can't continue to uh extract resources out of our soil when we have so much finite soil to work with to, to extract resources from in the first place and so now the concern is how do we make the most efficient use out of out of the the raw materials that we extract from the planet so um so sun um as as far as we're concerned it will always be there within our lifetime and so using that as an energy source only makes absolutely good sense um the the continued mining of uh, fossil fuel of natural gas fracking the downsides of it should have driven us a long time ago to look for more sustainable ways to get to get uh, to to manage energy and the concern that um, the economic impact to me is actually secondary and not primary to alternative fuel sources we can make as a if we can build an automobile we can find a way to make any energy source economically feasible that means creating jobs that means um making sure that uh, it's it's managed in a way that the system is going to continue to, to meet peak demand and those kinds of things so so we can do those kinds of things i i am disheartened a lot of times when we have those discussions and one of the first things that you know people want to say against renewable energy is the cost <laughs> The cost actually comes from not using renewable energy because after we've uh, extracted all of the resources out of a particular region, it's unusable. You know, we, we only get one ocean or however many oceans that we have, but once we uh, kill all of the fish, once we eliminate all of the, the uh, life forces in that how do we get it back right. so 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 those i i don't see a problem in that it's just um i think in the discussion of and, and i guess i'm i'm continuing to go back to that and that we're not always um we always put money first and it should be people first because the whole reason for energy is for people money makes the world go around money makes the world go around um yeah it comes back to our economic system because exactly. uh, uh yes um the whole the fossil fuel is a fossil fuel economy mm-hmm. you know um, when you look at it has changed since but when you look at when oil prices would have shot up to about one twenty mm-hmm. a barrel, you know, and you have the cartels like OPEC, um, you know, influencing the geopolitical issues. So it's a wider issue, but it, it's driven by economic priorities. Um, and I agree with you that it should be people first, but it never is, <laughs> you know. Um, it should be people first and then planet also planet first, but it's 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 dollars and cents. Um we see now that the oil majors like BP and Shell, they have finally come on board, um, making declarations that they're gonna achieve net zero. They're gonna become carbon neutral. Um it's left to be seen how exactly they're gonna achieve that. 
but it's nice to, to, to hear them commit to that goal. But I think that, you know, one argument is that that is influenced by the market. Mm-hmm. And if they continue to stay solely in the fossil fuel economy, their returns are going to, you know, dry up in a sense. Because I think based also on the climate change lobby and activism, consumers are demanding, demand for alternatives are growing, is growing, sorry. Demand is growing. So you're seeing a slowdown in demand for conventional fossil fuels. So now you see they are changing. They are totally revolutionizing their business models. Yes, they're still going to be involved in oil and gas, but they are investing more into their, increasing their investments into alternatives. Why? Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't wake up yesterday and, 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 and realize that, you know, the planet is being affected. They knew it all along. Yeah. But there, there was something to trigger that switch, and I believe it's partly due to the economics, right? And then partly due to the global climate movement. So, you know, sadly, <laughs> uh, but the reality is, you know, economics drives everything. So I guess we have to find a way to make or to highlight um, that sustainability is the way to go. And I think that the oil companies and other industries are finally seeing it, that sustainability actually makes good sense, good yeah. business sense. Okay, so you you talked about, we talked about economics. We talked about the fact that we all are consumers too. And um, another thing is a lot of us consumers are also investors. So if um, if uh, climate, uh, con- climate change uh, aware people who happen to have money to invest, I think it might be a good idea for them to consider how they invest their money. You know, I was looking at my little portfolio this morning and this company popped up that was associated with electric vehicles. You know, I won't name any names or anything like that, but I was reading about it and I was thinking about it. And although I can't afford to buy an electric vehicle right now, I could definitely start investing in a stock like that, that might help shift the change towards something more sustainable. So do you think we ought to be looking at how we invest our money as well and and to influence the changes? Definitely, definitely. You're seeing the rise of, um, it's called impact investment. And that's where, um, you know, the banks are not just looking at the economic return. They're also looking at what the environmental and social impact of the money that they're investing would have. So that's for sure, um, definitely those companies are, would be definitely more sustainable. So you are more likely to have um, better returns in the long run by investing in a sustainable um, enterprise as opposed to, you know, I, I guess years ago, it would have been to invest in one of those oil and gas companies. Right. But they seem to be on the decline. Um, so... It makes it make, see that's that's the business case for sustainability. It's not just about um, sadly just wanting to save the planet is not enough. It's not enough for people to just tell them that we need to save the planet that we are on. There's no planet B. Um, but when you you start to demonstrate that sustainability also brings economic returns, I think that's where we will get more persons. Um, involved so when you look at all the money that's going uh into um space travel and you know that type of thing you kind of get the sense that 
maybe some people are thinking about leaving the planet. Not now, <laughs> but in the future. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the switch is on for planet B. <laughs> but until then, this this is all we have. So Yeah, I know, I know. And we don't have enough money to leave if we wanted to, but <laughs> I think that's certain cool. people are kind of looking that way. <laughs> yeah, that's another discussion. I was having that that um a conversation with a colleague and we were like, Okay, so if they colonize another planet, how are they gonna work that out? <laughs> you know? Is China going to take a spot? The U.S. take a spot? Russia take? How is that going to work out? Or is it going to have a, a, a world war over there too? You know. So while they sort that out, let's. I will focus on trying to fix here, fix home. Right, because we can't leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so one of the things that you had talked about was that uh, some of the energy companies had. Uh, decided to um, use use their profits or use their resources to invest in renewable energy. Um, so so they've known about climate change and the impact of their product, just as the cigarette companies knew for a, a long time. Um, even today, the cigarette companies still sell their product. They still invest in that business model. That's still there. While they've divested some, and maybe they're, you know, into other products, they that is still there. They they they're still able to make money off of it, and they're still going to do that. And they and they know that their product is uh, harmful. What is yeah. your belief? that the energy companies are going to uh, move as much as you think they should move into renewable. What is your hope in that area? Right. So I am not a purist in that I'm not going to say that we should go 100% renewable energy because one, it's in my humble view, it's not feasible. There are those who who would disagree. So um and okay, so even if you look at um the company's projections, uh, this is an example. BP had their outlook a couple, maybe a couple months ago, and they projected into up until twenty fifty, right? And they had three different scenarios, but business as usual. Um, rapid transition and net zero, right? And in the three scenarios, fossil fuel is there, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that while fossil fuel demand may start to taper off, it's not going to disappear. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's a good it's a good sign that they are investing that way, and um, Maybe at some point the global community will evolve where we don't need um, significant amounts of um, fossil fuels. But how I see it is that they will continue to be a part of the mix. They will continue to be a part of the mix. But maybe as opposed to investing, because the, the oil and gas companies, they already have existing assets that are producing. Right, so maybe instead of investing in searching for new oil, they may just continue to produce what exists and focus on extracting energy from renewable sources. So that's that's one scenario where um, fossil fuel production would remain or maybe taper off a bit, but the rest of the demand coming back to demand will be taken up by um, more sustainable or clean sources. So what do you, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. No, you, you can. Okay, so, so what do you think, um, let's presume that we've reached um, Nirvana with renewables. We haven't. <laughs> I, I agree, we haven't. So we we we've reached what what 
most people um, believe is the best that we can achieve with renewables. How does that impact our climate? Does that, does that solve the climate change issue? Does that uh, push it down the road further and that we still need to do something? Um, so so we, we implemented renewables. We know that um, we've eliminated as much fossil fuel from our consumption as possible. Because even renewables are gonna create carbon. That we're, we're in a carbon-based society. You're gonna create carbon. Carbon is, is you know, a part of everything that we do. So, so there's, there's going to be something. There's, there's going to be some impact. Um, is that going to be enough to save the planet long-term or are we still gonna have to um, have crisis intervention another 50 years and back off and then, you know, go full steam and then back off another 50 years. You know, what, what, what do you see? Is that, you know, is it, is it going to solve the problem? Um, so there's no easy solution. Um, in a sense, renewables, it, it seems like the savior, but in a sense, it could be just the banding, <laughs> as you kind of mentioned earlier. Um, so it has to be a multi-pronged approach to climate change, and climate change uh, can be divided into mitigation and adaptation, right? So renewables would be a form of mitigation in terms of reducing emissions, right? Um, so yes, it would it would make a significant contribution, but there are also other elements that we have to look at in terms of building resilience in um, communities because right now the global community is trying to keep temperature rise to below 1.5 degrees, right? Um, above pre-industrial levels. So the fact is that the temperature has already increased, but we're just trying to minimize that the amount that it increases by. So the ball has already started rolling, <laughs> you know. So yes, we need to mitigate as much as we can by reducing emissions, by implementing alternatives. But we also have to look at how do we adapt to the changes that are already occurring. So to give you an example, here in the Caribbean, so, okay, so we're here in the Caribbean, and, but up in the, in the Arctic zones where you have polar ice caps that are melting, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. translates to sea level rise, which we feel in our coastal low-lying areas. So even if we switch 100% to renewables and we ban all the cars and everyone starts to ride a bicycle, <laughs> <laughs> it's already been set in motion. We're already, we're already experiencing sea level rise, right? Mm -hmm. We're already experiencing damage to our infrastructure. We're already experiencing more frequent and more intense hurricanes right so how do you reverse that can you reverse that so the other aspect is about building resilience building infrastructure that can withstand category five hurricanes you know build investing in regenerative agricultural system regenerative tourism because also investing in boosting our economies because here in the Caribbean, we depend on climate-sensitive sectors, agriculture, fishing, tourism. These three sectors, which are the main economic earners for many Caribbean territories, are very vulnerable to climate change, right? So they're already being affected, and then you have the social and economic fallout from that, you know, food insecurity is, is another issue if you're mm -hmm. unable to feed yourself. So yes, invest in renewables, 
but we also have to invest in resilient systems, resilient ecosystems. And that's where the climate reparations would come in. <laughs> Did you have any more, uh, Warren? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to go back to the idea of sustainable energy. Uh, does that mean that um, the source of energy is uh, limitless or it won't run out? Or what, what does that mean, really? It means that this source is um, is replenished at a natural rate. Okay. So with the sun, you know, this, as we mentioned, the sun comes out, mm -hmm. um, the wind blows, and yeah. you can't use up those resources. But there are some distinctions within there. Mm -hmm. So people would talk about hydro, which uses uh, um, water courses like river, rivers. Um, and that would be considered renewable, but there are instances where if you overexploit that resource, it can be diminished. Okay. Another example would be biofuels, which is considered renewable, but again, there are issues there where, um, you know, you remove resources from agricultural systems into energy systems. Mm -hmm. Or you may um, remove natural forests to grow crops that would be then used for biofuels. So it, it can be a bit complex, but in the general sense, it's that the source is replenished naturally. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at like the electric vehicles we were talking about, uh, I'm thinking they're probably going to be using a lot of materials that would eventually kind of dry up maybe. Right. So <laughs> that, that's another <laughs> aspect of it. Yeah, the type of materials that we use and um, yeah. um, also disposal, the disposal. So, so for yeah, example, yeah, and the so disposal. solar, solar PV panels, solar is, is renewable, mm -hmm. but the panels are not, and the batteries. And so that's why I said, you know, it's not a solution, like it's like more of a band-aid than a solution to our problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I agree with Leon that um, we need to address demand, but there's no easy solution to that either because the economy, yeah. we want the economy to grow, don't we? Yeah, I agree. And, and I mean, it's also like telling people to wear masks too. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've got, if you've got air conditioning, how do you tell someone in a tropical area that they, they can't have an air conditioner? Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. so demand is going to demand almost, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's it switched back around on itself. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I should be allowed to have a comfortable life and a comfortable life means technology and technology means, you know, energy consumption. And so, so we're in a vicious cycle. So we, so, um, renewable, um, and, and reusing waste so that we're not creating additional waste is something that we just absolutely have to do. So before we go, and you mentioned, you mentioned technology, and I think that is one of the biggest solutions, you know, um, creating new technology, renewable energy included that would allow us to be more sustainable would definitely help. Yeah. So, so technology and behavior changes um, are critical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, so one of the things I was hoping you would, uh, that we had talked about when, when I asked you to come on the podcast um, was uh, you get uh, political news from the United States um, and so I wanted to kind of get an idea of how our current political climate, um, you know, is, is, how do you, how do you see it? How, you know, what, what is your experience, um, with that? Right. So, you know, our region is, is we're right in your, your backyard. Right. So when you sneeze, <laughs> we feel it. <laughs> um, so again, you know, you, 
each administration's policy would have an impact. We in the region here, we have a big um, Caribbean, there's a big Caribbean diaspora in the US. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those type of, um, the situation with migrants, you know, we, we look on, we pay a particular attention to the development and also even the Black Lives Matter movement, it kind of spilled over into our um, communities. Um, it just kind of highlighted the some of the racial tensions that we kind of ignored. Mm -hmm. uh, it may not be the same as the U.S., but we have our own forms of injustice and discrimination. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested to see what a change in administration would mean for the region. Um, definitely, um, President-elect Biden has, has signaled his intention to pursue clean energy. Mm -hmm. So it will be interesting to see what that means for the Caribbean region, because we have already been um, aggressively in, in many countries pursuing renewables, because it's a bit um, tricky in the Caribbean, where, where I am in Trinidad and Tobago, we are actually an oil and gas producer. So we produce our own fossil fuels, but the other Caribbean countries, many of them have to import fuel. <laughs> so they have had um, even greater incentive to invest in renewables, right? So it will be very interesting to see how that, how the the shift in, um, in priorities as it pertains to energy translates. I, I, I guess that um, maybe oil and gas prices may not um, shoot up as they have done in the past. Like when we had the shield revolution and all of that happening, you know, that <laughs> it trickles down to the region, you know. So I'm hoping to see more decisive action on climate change that would be to our benefit. Very good. So, um, as I mentioned, uh, Duval Barze uh, has a uh, uh, does a climate the climate conscious podcast. How often is that? Uh, do you produce episodes? So new episodes come out every second, every other Wednesday. There, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, almost anywhere that podcasts are streamed. Okay. And you can also um, keep in touch with the podcast and updates on Instagram at the Climate Conscious. Okay. Okay. I will follow. So I'm going to make sure that I include a link to the podcast page um, in the description. So make sure you check that out. I want to thank um, Deval for coming in and speaking with us today. I did learn some things and I really do appreciate you coming. Did you want to thank you for inviting me? I I enjoyed our discussion. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. I did I, as well. Yeah, I, I enjoy your podcast too. I would love to hear more about what's going other things going on in your country too. If you know anyone that's interested in talking with us to share some other things, you can definitely refer them. Sure, we'll do. I'll I'll touch base with them. Oh, very good. So hold on a second. I'm gonna close out and then uh so I want to thank everybody for joining us this afternoon, and we will be back next week before we go on vacation until January, uh, the second week of January. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next week. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment, and thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website the lion's den stl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, Look out for the other guy, because they may not be looking out for you.